Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood is coming up next. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, redsearadio.org, and donate to our apostolate, or even become a member of our Immaculata Recurring Gift Society and keep us on the air. Thank you so much, and God bless you. All right. You know what that means? That means you're listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. And uh, excited. Steph's back. And so you won't have to listen to me <laughs> as much. So uh, anyway, um, she's going to start with our prayer. Good morning. Yes. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. And grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and Holy Spirit. Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, it's good to be back, guys. All right. Yeah. So this hopefully will be a more a regular occurrence. A trend. <laughs> a trend. A good so, trend. Yes. So, so I I had pulled this out a long time ago, and and um, the USCCB, the United States Bishops, had put out a document called uh, "Rights and Duties of Parents." Interestingly, when you look at it. None of it's not like a list, even though it is a list. Um, it is basically quotes from Vatican II documents, from uh, John Paul II's writings, from the Catechism, um, and then from other <laughs> other uh, deals from the Vatican. And so. Um, I think what we, what I was going to suggest we do is kind of just go. It's probably more than we're going to get in today. This may be part one. <laughs> this may be part one of. And where did you get this, Trey? From the United the, States. The United States the Council Conference of Catholic Council. Bishops. Yeah. Wow, Bishops. That's a tongue twister. It is the USCCB. <laughs> there I you guess, go. The rights and duties of of parents. Just if people want to. And so, because yeah. it really is, it's great. It's a great um, compilation, if you will. There's it, a word it, for it. There's a compilation. <laughs> really good. I'm glad you're here. It's, that's not a word I would have come up with, but it's very fitting. Some brain cells are still. Yeah. Fine. So, so I think what we'll do, if if it's all right, um, is we're just going to go through, read all or parts of each of these, and then and then uh, comment on them. Um, so, the first. Three are from Gaudium et Spes, so from the um, Vatican II documents, and that's on the church in the in the um, modern world, I believe. Um, and so uh, this one is from Gaudium et Spes, number forty-eight. So if you ever have those documents, you can go to Gaudium et Spes, which is going to be the last constitution. Tip, there's four constitutions that are kind of the pillars of the Vatican II documents and Gaudium et Spes is the last one, which is kind of speaking forward um, pastorally. And so as you might expect, they would talk about family and parents. <laughs> so uh, this is from number 48. Uh, it says, as a result, with their parents leading the way by example and family prayer, Children, and indeed everyone gathered around the family hearth, will find a readier path to human maturity, salvation, and holiness. Grace with the dignity and office of fatherhood and motherhood. 
parents will energetic, energetically acquit themselves of a duty which devolves primi- primarily on them, namely education and especially religious education. So a lot to unpack there. Um, a couple a couple points. It's one of the rights and duties is we as mother and father are meant to lead by example and by family prayer. Um, Don't worry if it's not always energetically. <laughs> yeah. Do they use energy? Yeah, they, they do. sure did. Well, energetically acquit <laughs> themselves. Maybe, yeah. maybe we're that, acquitted. <laughs> that word jumped out at me. I thought, oh, I've already failed uh, if it sometimes. Fits, <laughs> you must acquit. No, but, anyway, um, but I thought, I thought, you know, the the example and family prayer, and it's interesting. It says children, but it, it actually everyone gathered around the family hearth, which I would just take as family table around the living room, people who are around um, are meant to be more ready for human maturity, salvation and holiness through those examples. And the one, the other thing that I think is worth pointing out is being a father and a mother is actually an office in the church. I mean, it is, it is something that is um, held as, you know, you, you're working effectively on behalf of the church as that. That's how, how uh, serious it is. Yeah. And, you know, and don't, don't just relegate it to the hearth. I mean, I think we've talked too about, you know, especially those years when you have them confined in seatbelts and you're carpooling and, and taking them to, um, you know, to baseball and to dance and to school and, you know, all the things, Um, you know, there's, there's times there that, that you can pray, say a rosary, say, you know, um, get through, get well, just even get in the habit of just short, well, you know, a rosary might be something you have to plan, but on the way to offering it, to, Mm -hmm. to offering a prayer, I mean, you could do a decade of the rosary, uh, or you could just, the, the importance is to acknowledge God is present at all times. So when we get in the car, you know, to go on a trip to say a prayer before, you go for safe travels, mm-hmm. a, a, a thank you afterwards. And those are all those, um, all ways that you can do it. Trying not to just relegate it to just prayer before meals. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we should all be doing that, but, but that there should be, um, other times, even if it's just for a minute, mm-hmm. um, to teach them that yeah. you're engaged. You're teaching, yes, you're teaching them to always, you know, give that glance toward God during your day. And I think at the end, there were, there were a couple couple things that, you know, uh, devolves primarily on the mother and father. I'm, I'm paraphrasing in reverse, but um, the mother and father are primarily their responsibility is education, but it says especially religious education. And I think that that's something we need to we need to embrace um, to understand that we're obviously want our kids to be well educated, do do well in school, learn um, skills, writing, reading, arithmetic, whatever. Um, but but we in education, especially, we're supposed to educate them in religious education, understanding of the faith. And that's, again, something that, you know, you can use uh, the programs that are on, that are at your parish. But remember, <clears throat> we're meant to be the primary ones. So be engaged with what's going on there and, fo- and follow up and, and speak with them regarding that. Right. So Make your house a religious, uh, a domestic church. Oh, right, a domestic church. <laughs> the domestic so. church, yeah. All right, so moving on. And this is, uh, this is from Gaudium et Spes, just two articles back, um, so number 50. It says, parents should regard as their proper mission the task of transmitting human life and educating those to whom it has been tra- transmitted. <laughs> it's, it's a way of putting it. Mm-hmm. They should realize that they are thereby cooperators with the love of God, the Creator, and are, so to speak, the interpreters of that love. And that's part of that mystery of parenthood. Um, 
we have to see ourselves as the primary means, particularly when they're younger, of understanding what the love of God looks like by our examples, and even as they get older, by our failures to point out, okay, that's not <laughs> the way God loves when we, when we fail. But I think that that's really important to remember that the way they learn about, I mean, God, I just did a talk the other night on, on, uh, it was for NFP, but it was kind of the theology behind it. And part of what I was telling them is we have to recognize that God shares with us by the fact that he's given us the sacrament. Remember sacrament? Okay, everybody, you know, repeat after <laughs> me. You're right. Uh, a, a visible, visible sign, sign of an, an invisible reality, reality instituted by, by Christ to confer, confer grace. So it's a, it's a visible <laughs> um, reality that God has given us in our marriage to actually convey the invisible truth about who God is, that it, the invisible nature of God to the extent that we can. And so a couple of things go with that. We have to study, we have to read, we have to look at and kind of try to try to say, well, how does God love? You know, how does he do it? We're not God, but in a human form, how does he love? Well, of course, Jesus is the best example of that. So he's not afraid to call people out, but it's always with love and the purpose of conversion, right? And that's the way, not, not, not because we're embarrassed by the way they behave. We may, that may happen, but, but, but because we're trying to form them into a better version of themselves, same thing God's trying to do with us. <laughs> and then that's done with truth and it's done with grace, which is what he's provided for us. So we, we, we need to be willing to speak the truth to our children, but we also need to give them the grace, the help that they need to help deal with that truth. I had a sweet mom um, reach out to me this, actually this past week, uh, within this past week, um, that I used to work with. And she, she said, you, you said something about like your, uh, how you and your husband, um, there was something you said to me about how you and your husband raised your kids. And, um, and I remembered she and I had had a conversation, um, about, uh, about going after their heart. Yeah. Um, you know, and that it was, it, it, we, you know, we were better together. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Um, you know, we were definitely, you know, brought us, brought a balance, you know, with, um, with, with both of us, you know, going after their heart with justice and mercy. <laughs> right. Well, that, so that, that's, that's really important because it's important to point that out because that's what God wants. He doesn't want outward obedience. In fact, Jesus talks about, you know, the people who just follow. He, he wants there to be this kind of integrated, I'm doing this for the love of you. So my heart and my body are going together. They're not lying. In other words, I, you know, I, every one of us out there who's raised any kids at all has at least run at least once through a child who says something like, <laughs> yes, sir, you know, in a way that you realize it's not really yes, sir, right? It's, it's, I'm saying what I'm supposed to say, but I don't really mean it. Uh, and, and, and God doesn't want that. So in terms of being interpreters of that love, Part of it is the way we raise our kids should try to mimic. Again, we're not God, so we don't have, we're not all powerful. We have temperaments and and issues from either outside or just the way we were raised that change how we should do it that aren't necessarily the way God would do it. But but we need to strive for trying to say, okay, well, how would God do it? Well, we can always start with God wants our hearts. I mean, He wants our hearts. So we as parents should have as the number one goal the hearts of our children, not just outward obedience, right? I mean, obedience should—we want the obedience to flow from love, not the obedience to flow from, uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, fear. Fear. Uh, <laughs> oh, fear's never— Fear's not necessarily bad. It's bad. just like anything. It's, just, it's yeah, good to follow yeah. rules out yeah. of fear, but ultimately <laughs> that's not what— yeah what we're called to. And, so. and and that's what, you know, this, this young mom and I talked about is that, you know, what we tried to do was give our kids the moral reason why when we, you know, 
told them no or even yes, um, but especially no, um, because, you know, you want them to have, I mean, you know, those tent poles, if you will, um, to be able to. Why are you laughing? I'm sorry. Was it a psychobabble? No, no tent poles. <laughs> Reminds me of a show. And I, oh, and okay. I, a, a line from a show. But anyway. Anyway, yeah. So um, you want them to have, you know, just to, to have um, that sort of, well, that moral, you know, compass, um, because you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to experience everything with your child right. before they leave the house. So you want them to be able to, you know, have that transparency of faith and morals that they can put onto other situations, you know? Right. And so God, mm-hmm. God gave us scripture and tradition and the magisterium to kind of not hide why, but actually to unveil why, you know, if you're talking about sexuality with people who are about to get married and what's important I told them, look, I mean, you can follow the rules and be told you shouldn't do this or, and you should do that. But the reality is God wants us to catch a vision of what it, of what it is. And so we, for, for children as parents, like God to the best of our ability, need to give them the ability to ask why respectfully. And then sometimes the answer is, I don't know the answer, but I'll find out. Um, but it's always good if you're going to do it, to be able to give them a reason why besides because I said so, or because you're going to get in trouble if you don't. Um, but, but you, you've got to share your mind with them so that over time, as you do that, as you pitch those pennies, which you've always talked about, you know, kind of get a it's here and there. You're just pitching little pennies, which if you do it over time, it accumulates into something greater than just the individual thing. So if you say certain things and you're trying to give them the reason why, then you are helping them get the mind of your family, the mind of your church, of the, of your domestic church, which is, Meant to be in line with the church, which is meant to, which is in line with God. But God shares His mind with us. The, you have the Bible. You have all these different ways that He shares His mind for that. So I think that's a that's a really good point mm-hmm. um, because you don't want them. That's part of the way to get to their heart. You also got to get to their mind so that they 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 have, that it starts to make some sort of sense to them mm-hmm. that you know, okay, this is the way we should think. Which of course then means that you know backing into that is that we need to know right who God is and you know and I would really really encourage you um if you've ever tried to read through the Bible which I have numerous times <laughs> um and I always de- uh, you know end up defaulting to the New Testament <laughs> um right. if, Leviticus usually yeah, yeah exactly right. um if you have not heard or if you you know not participated in father mike schmitz's bible in a year it is actually it's phenomenal it is absolutely phenomenal now I, I, you know confession of a bible in a year girl it's going to take me more than a year because i you know three years. <laughs> yeah, it might be bible in three years but i love that it part of his um i don't even remember what day we were on and he said something um, to the effect of, hey, I hope you all have noticed that I'm I'm not saying, you know, we're on day five, December, you know, 4th, you know, 2023 or whatever. You know, he said, I'm not putting a date with it because I want you guys to keep picking this up and keep going as long as you, you know, as long as you just keep, you know, keep keep plugging along, you know, and we'll get through this. And so, so how long, how long, I, I've not done that. We're doing the catechism in a year together which will be the catechism in three years too <laughs> exactly. but 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 uh but just for because uh, i'm interested but but also i mean how long i mean like how much of a commitment i mean and, well <laughs> you're talking to the girl who pauses and writes notes and pauses and writes notes so okay, i mean so, with, so with but if you listen to him just straight through i mean 20 25 minutes i mean okay. some are less some are more um yeah. So not not mean, too many more. I mean, it, he really runs at, I mean, 17 to 24-ish minutes. And you can I, just get that on the podcast. On a, on a, yeah. On, I listen to yeah. it on my phone, and, and it's it's awesome because, he, you know, like I said, you can 
you can pause it and, you know, take notes. And, um, and I, I just, and, and, it's just amazing. And they're, and they're, correct me. It's through wrong. Ascension Press. It's through it, Ascension it, it is Press. the Bible. And yeah. You can go on a podcast and just Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. I think you can, if I you search it, it search mm-hmm. it, it'll pop up. Mm-hmm. But it's the it's the Jeff Cavins mm-hmm. adventure. It's the, J- so the it's Bible kinda, adventure. Mm-hmm. It's meant to kind of give a chronological. It gives it in story. So it's form. not like all. It's not. It's not. No, the, you're not starting with Exodus and ending with you know. Yeah, with Revelation, it's it's um, and in fact they even have some messianic. They call them messianic checkpoints where we've done. Um, I'm probably, I don't know. Have maybe close to halfway through the Old Testament, probably not that far, but um, we've already been in John and now, and we just finished Matthew. So you kind of jump into the, you know, into the New Testament some, and it, it's just, I mean, his, his commentary and, um, and just the way they put together the books and the information I, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so absolutely phenomenal. That, 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 so, that would be a good thing maybe to add to, to kind of get a, Mm-hmm. A glimpse if you haven't done mm-hmm. that, or even if you have, I, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about maybe I ought to do it too. Yeah, it's it's um, just um, I just love the way you know, like you said, Jeff Cavins has put that together, where it he's got it more like this tr- the true story. You know how the story unfolded and why the things in the Old Testament that were things in the Old Testament, you know, happened, and I mean just the wealth of information in that nugget of twenty to thirty minutes is. So, I mean, if you allocate, if you could find 30 minutes, you probably could do it if you wanted to give 45 minutes, you know, that, but but 30 minutes. But 30 minutes is really, yeah, you can. mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, just a tidbit for maybe adding to, maybe you could start in Lent if you haven't ever done it before. Ah, that would be a great Lent. Not a bad bad deal. So, um, but anyway, what you're trying to do is get God's mind, (laughs) the way he works. Exactly. and, And pray about and try to try to translate that into your own way of dealing with your, with your kids as principles, yes. right? Not, not as yeah. principles like principles office, but as, right. as, as principles <laughs> yes. uh, that, that can be followed. And yes. that's kind of what we tried to it's do. Just ama- I think it's, what's so, um, it, what's so amazing is um, you, you just don't realize how much God pursues us until you get through the Old Testament. I mean, it's like, wow, oh. we're still stupid. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and he's still loving us. <laughs> and he's, and, right. And he's still pursuing. And, and he's that, still pursuing us. And it's and, just beautiful that, you know, his his love for us. And you really, um, I, I just, yeah. The, you, get a sen- you get a sense of, of yeah, I mean, I've, I've, Blessed enough at one point to actually read the whole thing, uh, <laughs> yeah. cover to cover. Yeah, I don't think I could do that now. But um, but anyway, when you do read it together, you get kind of a big picture mm-hmm. that that allows you to understand that the God of the Old Testament, who often people say, "Well, that's a, he's a different God." That's certainly not a Christian, not a Catholic view. Same God. You begin to see the love that even he has back then that he's always had for man (laughs) from, from start to finish uh, that, that is brought to its fullness uh, from a human perspective when he becomes one of us, uh, when he sends his only begotten son, Jesus to be one of us. So um, anyway, there's some credence that, you know, what would Jesus do as being an example of that, but you really got to get the full picture because last time Jesus is pointed as as somebody who never, you know, had a harsh word or never corrected. <laughs> uh, it, that's not the Jesus I know, but at the same time, he loves unconditionally. And part of that love means that we need to actually sometimes correct and call people mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So, um, Anyway, all right. Next one. I figured this would, yeah. At this rate, it'll be four shows. It'll be be the next month. But um, anyway, uh, let's see. The the third one is Gaddy Misped fifty two. So it's two later. It says children should be so educated that as adults they can follow their vocation including a religious one with a mature sense of responsibility and can choose their state of life. If they marry, 
They can thereby establish their family in favorable moral, social, and economic conditions. Parents or guardians should be, by prudent advice, provide guidance to their young with respect to founding a family. The young ought to listen gladly. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, they ought to. That's goals. <laughs> goals. At, the, at the same time, no pressure, direct or indirect, should be put on the young to make them enter into marriage or choose a, a specific partner. So, again, that 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 flows from we should be, and most of our children, I mean, just by the way God has designed, we need to have them open to religious life, priesthood, being a sister, whatever. But more often than not, and they're growing up in a family, more often than not, you're going to have people who end up wanting to and eventually getting married. And and we ought to have an eye to that, you know, what a marriage is, what a good marriage looks like, that marriages aren't perfect, <laughs> that they're aware that they're, you know, there are tensions and struggles and disagreements and arguments. Um, I think that's helpful to, mm-hmm. to do that, but that we, that we're helping them kind of have a good picture of what marriage should like by be like by our example. And and we should take that seriously. Yeah. It's not just we're living it and they just happen to be here. I mean, <laughs> they're, 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 they're living it with us and they need to um, see our witness of asking for forgiveness when we fail one another. Yeah. I was about to know? say, so to, you know, the, I mean, the fact that it is realistic and healthy that, that, you know, I mean, in certain <laughs> ways that you have, um, you know, disagreements. I mean, obviously there are certain uh, ways of disagreement that are not healthy, but, and that, that will happen. Um, but to have them also be part of the after, <laughs> right? the aftermath of that, you know, whether it was, you know, either healthy or not healthy, but to be part of the, the forgiveness and the apologies and, you know, um, to, for the full circle, you know? Right. And so, so, um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll share this. <laughs> I think I've shared it before, but, but, but I mean, I grew up in a, in a household, great parents, great family, great brothers, taught to love each other, all that. But, but um, I, I was, we were all privy to, <laughs> we were all privy to disagreements that my mom and dad had, and um, and I, I've seen a plate thrown at my dad, <laughs> missed, <laughs> probably on purpose, but <laughs> missed. But but and and it was over something as silly as the fact that she voted for Jimmy Carter, uh, and he said, "Well, you're the reason this country's going to hell in a handbasket, Pam." And that was kind of the the start of that. I'm not recommending that. What I the reason I bring it up is not that that happened, but it, but and as bad as that sounds, they did make up, and then they made sure to bring us. I can remember sitting on on a bed, the four of us. It might have been the three, the other, the youngest might have been in bed, but all of us on a bed together saying, Hey, we had a disagreement, wasn't handled very well. Want to be clear, we're married for good. And the reason we disagree is because we care about each other's opinion. And when we don't, when we have such at odds, you know, if I didn't care about what your mom thought, <laughs> then I would leave. Maybe it wasn't handled. Either way, by the way we did it, but they walked us through that. And they ended it by saying, don't ever worry, mom and I are married until death do us part. You don't ever have to worry about that. So this argument uh, we can all learn from, and one of the things we need to learn from is we're in this thing together forever because we've made that promise. So you don't have to worry that a fight necessarily means anything other than we had a disagreement and we didn't handle it very well. So anyway, I'm not recommending plate throwing or any other thing throwing, <laughs> but I am recommending that when something happens and they see it, I do think it's, I, listen, I, we can do, I've, I've had lots of discussions, but they at least need to know that y'all do disagree about something. 
if you're a couple. They they at least need if, if yeah, it happens. I never that that's you know, I uh, never saw they my don't parents need my parents were wide my parents were wide open books. <laughs> yeah. If it was yeah. gonna happen, it was yeah. gonna happen. And it was gonna happen in front of us. Never bothered me. I, I just assumed that was the way it was. Never questioned whether they would stay married or anything like that because they were very open with that. But the reason I say that is, you know, Stephanie and I had our first argument and she said, I married the wrong person because mom and dad never argued and never disagreed. And therefore, yes, uh, this is the wrong person. Which, you know, you know, and they did. They did. Well, your mom, you know, I remember you asking your mom that, I think maybe even in front of me, did y'all ever disagree? And she started laughing. I mean, uh, so anyway, I'm not saying you have to be as open as my family was uh but i but i do think it's important to share that sometimes you do you will disagree and that maybe it's not handled but that's a normal part of most marriages uh, perhaps there's some maybe dennis then they never <laughs> argue <laughs> we just got rolling eyes but anyway, uh, but anyway so um but i but i just you're you remember you're by your life and by what you're doing, you're preparing them for um, being married, if that's what they're called. But even if not, to live, because if they become a priest, they're going to live with somebody else. And they go to college, they're going to live with somebody else to learn what it means to like make sure, hey, you clean up. Did you think about what other people are thinking about? I mean, like if it matters, it's, it's clean, then do your best to clean up. And that's why we do it, for the sake of the other person. So there's just lots of things to help them learn how to live in community outside of their own family members. Guess where the best place to train them in that is in the family. In the family. So, <laughs> well, and I just also would like to add about, um, you know, I think one of the great ways for us as well as our children to be open and comfortable with um, vocations to the religious life is to have your priest over. Have, 100%. yeah, if you've got um, nuns in your community, you know, have them over. I mean, it's it's great to see <laughs> how, quote, normal and fun they are. Um, and I think it's great for kids to see that because, you know, you think about it, if you just see them on church on Sunday, you can kind of tend to put them on a, you know, on a pedestal. Well, yeah, and, I mean, um, I mean, we had one that we were really close to, maybe two growing up. It's been neat where where we've been that lots yes, of young in fact many of them before they became priests yeah before they even had discerned being a priest were friends so it's actually cool for them to like know that hey they were in college and i remember them <laughs> and now they're a priest and um I, I think that that's that's important good question i one time we had i don't remember which one was over there but but the one of the kids said, so like, what's a normal day like? For you? I mean, I think it's a good question to ask. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it was funny to get, I don't remember what was said, but, but it was nice to gain some perspective from somebody like, Hey, what, what, what's it like being a priest? You know, cause right. all we typically see is that. So I think that that's another way of fostering an openness uh, to whatever the vocation is. And I do think it's really, it's interesting that they make a point to say, no direct or indirect pressure on uh, the young uh, to make them enter into marriage or to choose a particular partner, which again is a respect of their dignity and their ability to choose. That doesn't mean you don't uh, guide, give your opinion, whatever. What it means is you're not making them like you have to. I mean, I'm not sure that would work in our family. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, so... Uh, all right. Uh, the fourth one is this is from Familiaris Consortio, which is, um, well, it's John Paul II encyclical on the family. Um, and so this is John Paul II writing. Now, those previous ones were um, Vatican II documents. Uh, this is John Paul II. The right and duty of parents to give education is essential since it is connected with the transmission of human life. It is original and primary with regard to the educational role of others on account of the uniqueness of the loving relationship between parents and children. And it is irreplaceable and inalienable and therefore incapable of being, being entirely delegated to others or usurped by others. 
we as parents are called. I remember this getting to homeschooling. I remember Stephanie being where I'd taught before. And I don't think I had read this at the time. But when when we decided to homeschool, uh, and we just did that up until about the time they wanted to play sports. Um, so we weren't a homeschool all the way through. But when we did that, I remember Stephanie expressing some concern about, can I, I mean, I, I never some. taught before. <laughs> Major concern. A lot of concern. <laughs> uh, just so you know, she's the one that said, I think we need to. It was. Yeah. No, I mean, it was definitely so, a calling. Yeah. It, and so, so. It was not my call. It was not my plan. <laughs> and so, but, but what I told her is what I think John Paul is saying here. The fact that you love that child in a way that nobody else on this planet loves that child because it's your child. You are not only capable of teaching them, but you'll do a better job of teaching them even if you're not a teacher by trade. Um, and I believe that f- from the start, that, that it's certainly early on. I mean, you know, if we got the calculus or – you know, stuff like that. We might have to get somebody else. But but in terms of just teaching them the basics, even if you haven't done it, you're capable of doing it because of the position you hold and because of how much there's no love like a mother or no love like a father, at least there's not supposed to be, on this planet for their child that's ever mimicked or, or capable of being duplicated by somebody outside. It's it's a different Mm-hmm. It, that's been my experience. <laughs> well, you know. and 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 by no means are we saying that homeschooling is the route. Um, 100%, 100% because no. we know some very holy and happy families who were in, you know, public education, private education. It's a discernment within your family yeah. and a choice that you right. make um for your family which then there are different responsibilities, you know, because right. people always ask me, oh, my gosh, I could never. How did you, you know, and it's like, well, I don't know how you did it <laughs> in the public school system, having to deal with all of their teachers. And, and you know, and I mean, so there's different, you know, it's one of those things that I think there's just that's a calling. There's yeah, there's just Either. different callings and there's different difficulties and sacrifices and responsibilities, I think, that come and, practi- and practicalities for that mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So the only reason I brought that up was not to uh, not yeah, about no, homeschooling, but, to, yeah. but because yeah. because I would say that's that is a hundred percent. And there's no there's no uh, belief that, well, this is the way you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what our belief is, is that whenever and you are called to educate your children, whether it's whether it's religious education or helping them with math or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you think about it; it's all supplemented at home. Like right. you know, kids that go, kids that go to school all day still come home right. with work. But you have to. And you're supposed to, you and know. you're, and you should be. That should be your ability to give give it away. But the reality is, and the point that I was making is, don't sell yourself short. Whatever you're called to teach, don't sell yourself short because number one, you have the grace of the sacrament. That, that God's given you. You have the grace of the position that he's given you as a mother or father, the office, we've the learned. office. <laughs> and, and then you, and then you, and then you have the love that nobody else has that will drive you to help somebody. And, and you'll understand them better than typically they understand themselves and certainly better than a teacher or coach would understand. So we, we had both uh, in, in ours and again, that that's a that's a personal choice, I believe, on that. But don't shirk or think that you're not capable because you've never done it before of doing it. What he's saying is, you have the right and duty to do it, but you're also going to have the grace to do it as well. So dive in. <laughs> um, okay, so that was thirty six. This is the same actual. So if you ever pick up an encyclical. This is, I think, an apostolic exhortation. Maybe an encyclical, but I think it's an apostolic exhortation, which is just down. But just like Gadamit Spez, the good news is they do number, you know, paragraphs. So um, that was 36 of Familiaris Consortio. Um, this one is from the same, the same exact 
paragraph. And I'll just read it. It says, in addition to these characteristics, it cannot be forgotten that the most basic element, so basic that it qualifies, and I think this is probably echoing what we were just saying, so basic that it qualifies the educational role of parents is parental love, which finds fulfillment in the task of education as it completes and perfects its service of life. As well as being a source, the parent's love is also the animating principle and therefore the norm inspiring and guiding all concrete educational activity, enriching it with the values of kindness, constancy, goodness, service, disinterestedness, and self-sacrifice that are most precious that are the most precious fruit of love. As with John Paul II, there's a lot there. <laughs> but he is saying that parental love is what qualifies you to educate. And in doing it, he's also, I think, saying something that I that we've come to realize that as you fulfill your right and duty as a parent, it's actually having an impact on you. <laughs> it's that's part of the mystery as well. In the giving, you end up receiving something back. And I think that that's an important point that 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 is often missed. Because lots of times when we think we're giving, we're talking about what we're sacrificing. And there certainly is sacrifice involved in that. But the more you give, oftentimes the more God pours back into you in terms of learning things. So, as, you know, and that, you know, as I'm thinking about this— we're, <laughs> um, a parent's love is the animating principle and therefore the norm inspiring and guiding all concrete educational activity, which I think he broadens, I would broaden to include anything that you're learning from. So being on a team is an educational opportunity. We have to guide and be inspired to say, this is an opportunity to teach them humility. <laughs> how to handle success, uh, what it's made, what it's like to be better than somebody at something, and how do you handle those that aren't as, as good, to be not the best, maybe even the worst player on a team, and how do you function in that role? And so those are all education. So those are things that should be inspired um, by being around. And, I, that just reminds me of um, our sweet friends, the B rights uh, that Margaret would always <laughs> we'd we'd call each other with with uh, with challenging days, and I used to love that she used to call them character building days <laughs> when right, she yeah. had had a difficult day <laughs> with her daughter, who's now a nun, <laughs> a sister. So, uh, <laughs> uh, she obviously did well on those character building days because she is now a Dominican sister. Um, and I, and I, but. And I think the yeah, way you look at that. it, to hear character building, mm -hmm. a character building way, I, you know, my initial thought was, you know, we were building the character of the child. But, but, yeah. but, <laughs> and that may be the case, but often it's a, it's building your own character. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I love those moments when um, sometimes, you know, the stars would, stars and moon would align just right. And something that came out of my mouth to try to teach my children washed over me as the voice of God saying, hmm, did you just kind of hear what you said? Yeah, <laughs> you might want to, might want to pay attention and take your own advice. <laughs> but yes, I, I'm talking to you. And so that, and that, and that's, that's the beauty of pouring yourself into parenting. It really is. Um, it is hard work as we've talked about, but it's super rewarding if you'll pour yourself into it. And you're going to make mistakes. We have. And kids aren't going to always turn out. I mean, it, just because you, the outcome is not the issue. The issue is laying the foundation um, as best you can. And then in doing so and taking seriously your office and pouring your love into them through the role of educating um, in, in those situations, you actually grow as a person. Um, so anyway, uh, let's go last one on this page. And this is from Humana Vitae. Um, another, uh, that was written by 
Paul six. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, is that right? Anyway, yeah, I, 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 I uh, we got, we got Google, Google we got here. Google, but, <laughs> but um, it says, uh, this is a short quote by, by means of the reciprocal personal gift of self proper and exclusive to them, husband and wife tend towards the communion of their beings in view of mutual personal perfection to collaborate with God in the generation and education of new lives. Is it John Paul II? Six. It's Paul said VI. Six. Yeah, Paul you said Paul VI. VI. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Paul VI, and that was, you know, regarding contraception, at mm-hmm. least in part. But, but it, by, by means of the reciprocal personal gift of self, proper and exclusive to them as a married couple, husband and wife, tend towards the communion of their beings in view of mutual, mutual personal perfection, to collaborate with God in the generation and education of new lives. So a lot to unpack there. You can hear um, John Paul's Theology of the Body in that, that, that this bringing into life it, you know, is, is an event, but it's an unfolding that as we receive a child, when we invest in them, particularly as a couple, but even as individuals, that we're going to grow in that type of love that Jesus shows, like dying to oneself for the sake of, of that child, right? Um, and as we come together as a couple, we, we particularly when we come from different backgrounds and different ways of um, families of origin, disciplining, yeah. and different <laughs> modes. If we come together, we become more and more one because what happens is we start to realize and make our own by, well, we probably don't need to do that. That's kind of the way I was raised or we or we ought to add this or find that middle ground. I've always said, and I believe it, I don't know if Stephanie does or not, but but we're better together. He already determined that earlier okay. in the show. Did we? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that I wasn't was... listening. So there you go. <laughs> 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 but, but but let's see. So there's we still got some uh what is it? Uh, uh communion of being to, <laughs> to work to on to work on. But but I think that I think that I think it's important uh to recognize that it's in doing that together and and, and working on that together and disagreeing a little bit and maybe having different opinions, but coming together as one, which is really important with kids. At some point, you can't let them divide and conquer, so to speak. You know, a good answer, a good answer. They will. (laughs) They're they're, they're smart. Uh, Our dog is good at that. (laughs) But 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 I think but I think that that it's important to recognize that sometimes the answer is let me talk to your mom or let me talk to your dad about that before I give you an answer. Um, I need their feedback or you know, just make sure that, that you're showing a common front. You may have disagreements in coming to that, but, but, but it's worth the legwork on the back end to, to come together as one, uh, there. So, well, anyway, I mean, we're down to three minutes. Do you want to do it? Should we go to the next one? Or should we wait? At this rate, yeah. it'll be three shows. But <laughs> yeah, a but, page a show. It's a three-page uh, a document. A page a show because we just can <laughs> rattle on. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it was helpful. But but I think well, I, I love I love um, one of the things I love about this is just you know just I call it the Catholic onion. I mean, it's just like it's everywhere. Like you just peel, right. you keep peeling back, but it's it's just it's it's constant. It's constant. It's there. There are just constant threads. Um, through the Bible, through tradition, through, um, you know, these, these, um, these documents. And I I love, you know, um, pulling some of these little nuggets out and, and being able to, you know, um, uh, talk about, you know, talk about our, our rights and duties as a parent. And and I think that's something that in, in terms of the Bible as well, but to go pick up, I think it's relatively, relatively easy to, um, I think it's relatively easy to pick up a, a Vatican II document, and it—it's really not. I don't think they're too difficult. I, I would not always recommend picking up John Paul II. 
I, I would recommend it. Okay, let me say that. But but it's not always easy. Easy to read. You know to impact. read. Mm-hmm. And but this Vatican II seems to be a little bit more. There may be some thoughts or whatever that maybe I don't know what that means. But but read the Church in the Modern World is about what they were saying in the '60s. It's prophetic. You know about the the concerns that they had going forward. But I think in addition, you may want to pick up uh, some of that or. The other thing where you'd get some is is if you've already done the Bible in a year, do the catechism in a year, which yes, we're really only excited, about, excited that. about that as well, mm-hmm. so that you're picking up, again, the mind of God. Um, but you can begin to see all these different ways that God is the delivering same. the same, the same <laughs> He's message. The same, He's saying yeah. yesterday, today, and tomorrow. tomorrow. Yes. That's Hebrews 13, <laughs> 8, I believe. But, um, but anyway... Um, Hopefully this was helpful. I think we'll continue this um, yeah. as we go forward because I think there's some other good points. Yeah. Hopefully this was helpful with y'all. Part but anyway, one. go ahead. Absolutely. And I'm going to do my little uh, memory verse um, from po- Proverbs 22 uh, in going with our um, parenting, our duties and, and, and responsibilities of parenting. Proverbs 22, uh, 6 is train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old... He will not depart from it. Very encouraging. So, yes, yeah, very encouraging to to put that foundation, um, you know, for our children and and um, and get to know God and and let our children see God through us. Um, Glad to have you back. And now yes, now for a better me too outer I, Audi or whatever it is. <laughs> Remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he always does. Always does. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. God God bless. bless. And bye.